when you lose someone that matters so much to you, you almost feel invincible, like nothing else can hurt you as much. There's almost an invincibility for a moment that nothing hurts because you've already had that jab. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much. I've been really excited to talk with you, especially after our first phone call. Um, your enthusiasm for what you do and you know your sense of passion, I, I think, speaks volumes. And if you're okay starting off, I would love for you to introduce yourself. Absolutely. So I'm Elizabeth Meyer-Kransky. I'm a funeral director. I'm a thanatologist, a death doula, an author. I think that's about it. Um, it's a long list Anything already. in this world. Yeah. <laughs> How did you? How did that all start? I mean, I, I know uh, you, have, you have a laundry list of you know expertise and titles there, but your main squeeze right now, correct me if I'm wrong, is in the funeral business. My main squeeze is farewelling, awesome. um, and that's you know kind of every other step have brought me to this point. So I'm a co-founder of a company called Farewelling, and our whole idea is basically to celebrate a beautiful life beautifully. And I started in this field after my dad passed away, which was over 15 years ago. And I planned his funeral, which was, I think, fantastic, but it was hard to do. No one else was having anything special. Your choice was basically, do you want flowers, yes or no? Do you want red or white roses? I threw a huge party, and at the quote-unquote after party, uh, people came up to me and said, you know, I don't really know how to say this, but I had a really good time at your dad's funeral. If God forbid something were to happen to me, would you plan mine? And so my mission from the beginning has always been to celebrate life and not in the way that it kind of became a term at a certain point was, oh, I I want a celebration of life. What does that actually mean? You know, everyone says they don't want the traditional funeral. They want the celebration, but then they don't really have the tools to do it. For the most part, you're planning it quite quickly. And people, you know, there's a reason you hire a wedding planner is because you've never done it before. And by the way, for weddings, you have months and months and months to plan often. For funerals, maybe you have a week max. Obviously, memorial services are different. And so fortunately, I teamed up with an amazing co-founder, Karen, and we now have farewelling. That, that's amazing. And I, I love the the angle. And it's so innovative at the same time. Like, it's so true at every every funeral is just black and white. It's just like, it's just the same thing over and over. And I think it's so important to celebrate it. And I think that kind of dumbs down to our conversation of uh, why maybe you and me or what I'm taking from you is that you're so comfortable talking about it and you, you see it as a celebration. Your ability just to talk about it comfortably is such a morbid topic that I think societally and most people, at least in um, our neck of the woods, seem to kind of avoid. So what was it that's made you so comfortable Talking about it slash just being in this field more or less, was it, was it your personal experience? But at some point, something had a switch, no? So I think a couple of things happened. I think one is I absolutely adored my dad and he died when I was 21. And I think, you know, and you can speak to this as well, is when you lose someone that matters so much to you, you almost feel invincible, like nothing else can hurt you as much. Now, I will caveat that by saying as a parent that then, you know, flips it over and you feel completely different. But there's almost an invincibility for a moment that nothing hurts because you've already had that jab. And I think my way of healing 
in retrospect, I can say this, but my way of healing was to help others. And it became such a mission and such a calling that any sort of personal pain was pushed to the wayside because of the, I don't want to say pleasure, but honor that it gave me to help others through that situation. And I always said, you know, if I saw one widow or one grieving family member smile for a second, it was worth it to me. I felt like I did a good job because that's what we're doing at funerals. We're honoring those people. And there should be a smile. There should be a feeling of, you know, this was a life well lived. And I'm not saying that grief isn't sad. It's overwhelmingly painful. But the funeral should allow you to feel like you gave them a good send off. Your angle of how your business works, and I know you're, I want to say even calling at this point, does that force you to get closer to people than perhaps more than other people in your position in the more traditional manner? Yeah. So I've kind of in this industry, I've always been closer to the clients, family members that we work with um, than others. I also think. If you look at me, my stature helps is I'm not intimidating. I only um, see half of you right now, but yeah, well, there's it. not much more to it. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, you know, I've always been empathetic. And obviously when we're trying to plan really personalized funerals, we want to get to know that person. And the only way to do it is to pry out of their loved ones. Who were they really? What did they like? And by the way, every single person is unique. Every person has their likes and and even as important, their dislikes. And for me, I love flowers. I think they're amazing. I absolutely hate lilies. They remind me of a funeral home. So if someone were to go in and say, oh, you know, she loves flowers. And the funeral director would say, okay, like, great, here are lilies. It takes that person who knows me to say, no, 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 no. You know, I think those nuances are what we always look for at farewelling. We really want to get to know the person and we want to get to know, you know, we want to take it the next step. Oh, you know, for example, my partner absolutely loves rosé and everyone's like, oh, well then we should serve rosé at your funeral. And she says, no, no, no. I want a rosé fountain instead of a chocolate fountain. And I think that so symbolizes our company is that it's not just do one little thing, it's go overboard and really get the feel of it. You know, know that Karen is one of these people that does go overboard. And so I think that you really get the stories of the people. When you talk about making sure they're buried in a special outfit, what does that say? What story does it tell? We've had people who are buried in their wedding dresses or their tuxedos or, by the way, their pajama pants because that's what they've been living in. <laughs> um, you know, but whatever it is, it tells so much about that person. And I just think it's so important to listen. And that's the premise of, it, I guess, you just listen to these people. It's such a unique way and it's such an honorable way of remembering people because especially in funerals, I never really thought about it deeply, honestly, until... I, I learned about what you do and the aspect of sending someone off. Obviously, you know, the funeral isn't the last memory of someone. You usually latch onto something, some kind of other living experience, but it is a, it is such an odd send off. And I feel like that really is synonymous to the way we absorb death regularly in the way that we're just saying, this is, a, it's okay to have a funeral that's so sad and just so structured and the same way every single time that it, it adds a flair and a level of acceptance and celebration, like you said, to 
for someone's life. And I, I, I want to ask you, I'm kind of going back and forth right now because I want to dig into a little bit more about how you operate with, with Farewell. But you said at some point you latched onto helping other people and that kind of pushed aside maybe what you were going through. Is, is that what you were saying? So did, did this deflect from your grieving process? If you don't mind me getting a little personal on your, your own story. No, person, personal is what it's all about. Right after my dad's funeral, I went to my mom and I said, this is my calling. This, you know, the silver lining of dad's death was that I was meant to be a funeral director. And she was like, absolutely not. No. Um, and her take was that I was just kind of becoming fixated and that I would never grow from this horrific event. And in retrospect, it was the opposite. It was that I had been taught you only fear that which you don't know. And so I wanted to know everything, hence the every degree I can get in this field, (laughs) Um, you know, without obviously going through the process. I'm not there. But I think that it was definitely for me a way of grieving. In a way, it was a different time. We're talking 15 years ago. There weren't podcasts. There was barely social media around this at all. And in the same way that you're searching by hearing stories from others, if you don't mind my saying so, is that, you know, that's how you learn. That's what I was doing is I kind of went, you know, boots to the ground because that was the only place there was. So learning through other people in a sense? Learning through other people, learning to honor. I think that was really important to me. It's always been that you honor that person. And as you said, the cookie cutter funeral just didn't seem fair to me. Um, you know, my dad was a, one of these larger than life characters. And so to then minimize his life and you just say, okay, here's your box. Bye. Didn't work. And I think, by the way, that's the way we're going with many other areas of society. You know, we have birth doulas. Now we have death doulas. In the same way, I often compare the funeral industry to the wedding industry. It used to be, as my partner will tell you, that you went to the church, the temple, et cetera, you had your service, and then you went downstairs for, you know, champagne and cake. And then as people started intermarrying and, you know, one religion didn't work, well, they would take their choice and pick around what, you know, traditions they wanted to keep, which they wanted to add to, how they wanted to personalize it. And that's where we are with funerals, is that that generation that intermarry and that did weddings their own way is a generation that's starting to pass away. And they're the ones who want their funeral personalized. Huh. I mean, from a business standpoint, it sounds like a pretty tremendous opportunity, but, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's beyond that. So... In regards to the ideology that you have so many different backgrounds um, beyond a funeral director and you've studied so much, and ba- reverting back to the question that I asked of, does it force you, did not force you, but does it happen that you get closer to these people? Does it turn into anything beyond just setting up their funeral in regards to offering your services as a death doula? Because I've spoke with several death doulas on this, and it was another area that I wasn't familiar with until I started speaking to people in your field. I'm curious as to if you can disclose, I guess it's different from person to person. What is the conversation with these people? like? Is there is there a general rule of thumb of helping these people heal? So I think the important thing is that there isn't necessarily a guidebook or a playbook. Um, it's that everybody has their own personal story and listening to their story and listening to what works for them and what they wanted, right? And it depends whether someone's planning for themselves, obviously, is a different conversation than if it's a family planning for someone else. It depends whether the person's still living or not. 
planning in advance versus what we say is at need. And also what the service is going to be. Are we going to have a funeral or is it going to be a memorial? Or by the way, what we're working on at Farewelling and seeing a lot of is virtual services, whether completely virtual or we do hybrid as well, which is that certain family members will be at the funeral home or wherever they choose to do it. But for the sake of safety, maybe it's only five people gathered at the funeral home or the location and the rest of invites are via the webcam. What's your take on that? How's that? What's that? Since you've been there, what does that feel like? So I am actually a really big fan of it. Um, and it's interesting to me because obviously when COVID hit, this was, I, I was such a big believer in the hug, right? And the physical gathering and making sure you're not alone and you're not isolated. It was something I worried about um, in COVID was people being alone. And I think we have as a society, I mean, look at us now. We have come to adjust to working with screens and feeling a real connection. And we at Farewelling worked really hard to make sure that our services are not just logging into Zoom, but working to make sure that we seamlessly can integrate videos and photos, integrate live speeches versus pre-recorded speeches. And that's one of the things that, you know, technology actually can be okay. Is I did my dad's eulogy and it was so hard for me to get up there. And I'm sure I don't remember it, but I'm sure I choked. <laughs> How great would it be if I could sit in my own room by myself on my own time and pre-record and get out those words that I want to say. And the other reason I'm a really big fan of it is, you know, it was always a struggle with funerals to get everyone there. And I don't know about you, but even personally, there would be times that, you know, you're you're under a clock. You have to have this funeral in a certain period of time in many situations. And at the same time, we're a busy nomadic society. It's not the easiest thing for everyone to jump on a plane for an hour service. Do you try to make it work? Of course you do. However, oftentimes you simply can't. We're busy people. And so to have this option, I think is so fabulous. And to make sure that so many people who want to attend can. That's brilliant. I never, once again, that's another angle I never considered. The opportunity to actually say what you want to say and kind of more thoughtfully put it together is so much more meaningful in a way as well. So you've done, you said hybrid. Have you done a hybrid where it's just, it's essentially like a full funeral, but you also just like live stream it or something of the sort? Yeah, absolutely. So we've done completely virtual, which tend to be more memorial services. And then we've done hybrid where the family's at the funeral home or the church and the visitors are watching. What does this do on you? I get, I, you've been around, how many years have you been doing this? Um, over a decade. <laughs> over a decade. I mean, what, does it numb you in a sense? Or you, are you, do you feel like seeing being a part of so many other people's deaths, I don't want to say desensitizes you, but is it, what, what does it do to your psyche? I'm not jaded. I think the second you get jaded, you shouldn't be in this field. 100%. Agreed. That's well said. Okay. I think it's a calling. And I think, I truly, I believe every person is unique. Every situation is unique. And I, I, I'm known for getting goosebumps and tearing up often. Then you're still in the prime spot then if you're feeling that. That's amazing. I, yeah, I, I don't, 
I don't know what it is. I think I'm look for for beggar for others, worse for me. But um, <laughs> I think it's just if this is in you, it's in you. If you're empathetic, you can't help it. Um, and I also think there's different stages of life. I'm a new mom, and so things hit me differently than they did before. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's one thing with my own personal experience. My mother, I, I can't. Once you're once you have a kid, I don't have kids. But once I, I keep hearing that over and over again, it only makes sense. Obviously, is once you have a kid, you look at life differently, and then you by looking at life differently, therefore you're going to look at death differently. And you said the opposite. You said you felt invincible when you lost your dad, but once you had children, what does that do? It's just it's just more. Is it more worry? So both my husband and I lost a parent, and it's an interesting conversation because we're both constantly thinking about it. And I think it's actually an area that hasn't been studied, and I'd like to do some more of it, is parenting without a parent and what that does. But I will say it makes death real all over again. So even if I had been the slightest bit jaded, you just, you realize that on the other end is that family. Um, and I think what's always hit me, and maybe it was because I had lost a parent, I had sat on the other side of the arrangement table, is that... A death is sad, but how many people are affected by that? And I may leave the office and go home, but these people forever are in pain. And, you know, here we are grieving and I'm still grieving 15 years later. I never forget that. I never forget that that day someone's life was turned upside down and their life will forever be changed and they will forever have pain. How do you see yourself grieving now 15 years later? Yeah, so I think it's different. I think everyone's personal. My daughter is named directly after my father, which isn't common. You know, maybe you take the first letter or something. I actually wanted to. And my thinking was, is, you know, if I can not replace, but have a little bit of joy and reassociate the name with something positive, that works for me. I, I think I often, in parenting, kind of hear, hear his voice coming through. I acknowledge it. I will take a minute. I, you know, we try to have items from my husband's mom around for her, talk to her about both these people. And I think the important thing is, again, conversations, acknowledging, and doing whatever you need to do. And I think, look, being in the field enables me to, A, be on the front end of thinking. It allows me to dive into these topics. And what's really special to me is I get so many phone calls from friends of mine who are going through it, who say, I just need to talk and I don't know who else to call. Isn't that, that's remarkable. Isn't that remarkable that you don't know who else to call? I'm sure some, like, plenty of people in your circle have, you know, not everyone, obviously, but close friends and, and family or people that are going through it too. But I don't know what it is about, like, for example, say I, I want to talk about it. I couldn't go to my sister for whatever reason. I had to go to someone outside of my immediate family. To me, it seems so contradicting. You think you'd go to the people that are feeling it with you. I feel like someone told me when pointed out to me, it's a sense of not wanting to hurt them in a way by talking about it or by bringing it up. Do you see it the same way? Yeah, so absolutely. I think in thanatology, we were studying that the elders want to talk about their own demise. They want to plan. And it's the children who say, no, 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 don't worry, mom. You don't have to do this. You don't have to have this conversation. And it's children who are scared you know, and it's easier not to have those conversations. But, you know, I talk to my mom about death all the time. 
we actually, I wrote an article for Farewelling about it. It was, you know, I talked to my mom about death and, you know, both of us are still here because <laughs> I think that's sort of the strange idea is that if you talk about death, somehow you're going to drop dead. But if you don't, it'll be fine. You'll live forever. If anything, it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt when the time comes. What, what do you guys talk? I'm mean, obviously you said death, but how do you start that conversation? Yeah. So every little thing, like I know my mom wants a red lacquer casket. Oh, fancy. Yeah. However, I also know where I'm getting that red lacquer casket. <laughs> I, I am prepared um, in a way that, by the way, I wouldn't be if I didn't know that's what she wanted. I also, and this was actually quite painful for me, was when COVID started, my mother, who's the most organized human being, called me over to her apartment and had Ziploc bags with the children and grandchildren's names on them. And she was like, Lizzie, this is where everyone's stuff is in case something happens to me. This is at this place. She has a a book of passwords. She's like, here's the password if you have to get into this account. And it was jewelry that she had taken the time to go through and allocate to each of us. And again, I tend to, I'm a crier. Um, (laughs) I'm tearing because this is real. And I looked at her, I was like, mom, I don't want to do this. And she was like, you taught me to do this. You're doing it. And I, it was kind of the first time it hit home was how hard it is when it's the time. You know, it would have been a lot easier. And it, these conversations were easier when she's well. Now, my mom is totally fine, thank God. But I think the most important thing what I realize is how important it is to have these conversations before you have to have these conversations. Yeah, it seems to make it, when you do have those conversations, it makes it tangible before it happens, of course, which is so, it's so easy to avoid, but you're just kind of, it's just, you're building it up. And I think you hit the nail on the head, how it's some kind of, you talk about it, some kind of odd manifestation of, of something to happen. But it's at the end of the day, it sounds very simplistic, which I think it is. It's inevitable. So the more we push anything off, whether it's emotional feelings or this or that, you're, you're only building it up in my opinion. So, you know, I, I'm a big advocator as you are to talk about it and and you're talking about it in such a specific way with your mother that is I, I don't do it in the same way that you do but the conversation does come up and once obviously death hits you personally I think that it kind of forces you to talk about it there's just a sense of fear for something that's so inevitable that I think having the discussion is going to suck in the moment but it's only preparing you and you know it doesn't have to be negative because I think when you talk about it people immediately equate it to just sadness but that sadness can then grow into gratefulness for what you have now. And then from there, it's just ever expanding. I think it's, it's just enriching your life from a perspective standpoint. No, I think that's really well said is I absolutely wake up every morning and I'm the most bubbly, happy person you'll ever meet. And it's because I'm grateful every single day. I get up, I'm, I'm up, I'm excited to be vertical. And I know that my family is the same thing. And I think it's truly a gift that your family can give to you is to plan. One of my regrets is I never was able to talk to my dad. And so I planned this, what I think was a fantastic funeral. I don't know if it's what he would have wanted. I have no idea. He may have had issues with everything I did. And some of those decisions actually, I won't say haunt me, but I still think about them as what he, what he really wanted, A or B. Whereas I know for my mom, you know, and even my grandmother, who is this adorable, you know, old Italian lady on her deathbed said she wanted to be cremated. And she had a headstone, everything prepared. You know, thank God she had that one last sentence or, you know, at the end is if you don't hear it, you you just don't know. 
Yeah, it's a sense of closure in a way when it's done the way they they want. If you have that opportunity to do it in the way that they would want, because the thing one thing about death is it's another perspective that you know amongst the years a it's so simplistic, but it's so final for the person that dies, but it's so continual for the people still living. So it's almost easier not easier because I don't know what the hell happens next, but it almost seems easier for the person that dies because they're they're done, you know, and we're left with the residual. And it sounds a very selfish way for the people mourning, but I think that's the reality of it. So in a sense, having it together in the way you're saying it of planning someone's funeral, once they pass, it's kind of, my. I've never experienced farewell and, I, and I'm whenever those days come, I'll be more than happy to use, use you. But it is, seems like a sense of closure for the people that are planning the funeral and knowing that this is the way they wanted it. And it seems like a peaceful transition. We have checklists for people to fill out in advance. And a checklist? Yeah. So figure out what you do and you don't want. And the idea is that if God forbid something were to happen to you, your family or loved ones would know what you want. We also have something called a farewelling five, which are sort of what are the five things that are really important to you? And then we also ask why. And I think that's sort of what really sets us apart is the why, because it's so telling. And if you're going to plan this funeral, I want to know why you, Why does it matter that we're having a green funeral? Is it because you recycled every single morning of your life? And so the idea of, you know, your final act not being green is horrible to you? Do, do you know what I mean? I think you get so much of these stories and to know what's important is it's such a gift. It's such a gift you can give to someone. In that split second before you kept continuing explaining the why you asked the why, that was just the value proposition, if you will, in regards to what you're doing. And that's just as a simple, detailed addition to the, that checklist you're talking about that shows you adding that why almost answers your why. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you yeah. actually you actually give a shit. And that's a question <laughs> that you could have you could have easily just left out. It could just be a checkbox, this is what you want, cool, move on. So I commend you for that. That's thank you. That's kind of what. That's honestly that's what it's all about. I think, and um, not even just this field. Just I think asking the why internally for yourself. You know, you don't have to share it with anyone else. Is so important. Asking why people do X, Y, and Z is so important. And the and the fact that you're doing it to help others is just it's telling. So I, I, I truly think that's amazing. And the checklist you're saying that's something just it's just um, a preparation down the line for people just to personally have. So it's something if you if you want to prepare for yourself or if, by the way, with someone who may not be doing well, it's questions that are palpable and that are easy enough to answer. You know, I think what we provide is a different voice in this field. Again, I've obviously done a lot in the industry and I think there's a couple of voices that are out there. There's the kind of preparation from a legal or financial standpoint, which is the get your bleep in order. Um, yeah, sorry, I cursed earlier, my bad. Oh, get your shit in order. Um, <laughs> and then there's, you know, the funeral director. The, you know, there tends to be that voice of the kind of goth, you know, oh, look at what we're doing. Yeah. And we're neither of those. We're kind of your your best friend, the funeral director, yeah. <laughs> um, who really wants to help you get through this. And we're not scary. You know, my partner's even pretty, like super pretty and lovely and warm and, you know, compassionate. And there's nothing about us that's intimidating. It's just an honest, let, let's get through this together. Let's have a laugh. 
Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's be friends and get through this painful thing together. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's most important is we, at all times, we try to give people what they need. So one of the first things we did when COVID hit was, number one, we had a free hotline for anyone to call. And number two, we built out our memorial sites. And that was something that was really important to me personally, and obviously to Karen and our team, was that people had a place to gather. And when COVID was really so prevalent, people couldn't gather at all. And they couldn't even get together necessarily for a virtual funeral. And so these memorial sites became an amazing place for gathering. And what when you say kind of how, how am I taking this after it's such a disruption to what we know in the industry. These are so beautiful to me. This was always something that was important because we live in a world where kind of the social media and the tangible matters. And we have so many photos. And so these memorial sites are beautiful. You pick your own specific background. You design it so personally. And then you have words from all around, from every walk of life. And what's so truly, truly magnificent to me is that everyone can read. If you you publish it and make it public, everyone can read the words that are said. And so I, I always felt like the best part about a funeral was you got to know someone from all different aspects of their life. You know, I could work next to someone every day, but only know them really in the work environment. And here I am hearing stories from their childhood, from their family. And what's so great about these memorial sites is they're there for people to read. Fogos can easily be uploaded. Um, And what you get is like a real feeling of that person. That gave me the chills because immediately I want to make one for my dad. And it's so so mind-blowing. It's such a genius idea. And it's been in front of us for the long for uh, the longest time at this point. And I was, it's a living organism, and it's always a place to go back to it, like you said, and back to the idea of digital, you know, virtual funerals. It's just a place anyone. It's easily accessible, and the different angles from hearing someone's story is so interesting to me because I think about that with my dad. About you know, I knew my dad from the perspective of a son, which is much different than the perspective of a best friend or work and et cetera, et cetera. So I think that is so brilliant that you can kind of connect everyone and, and see these different angles of the person you love that you may have never known and just always a place you can go back to, right? And, and the screen, they're screening your hand right in front of you. That's absolutely brilliant. And that's on your website? It's right on our website. Click myfarewelling.com and you'll see Memorial right there. So it's hosted on your website. Everything is hosted. It's hosted on our website. And it's something that I truly, you know, one of my greatest accomplishments. And we were so proud of it. You should be. I'm. That's absolutely brilliant. And I, I love. Once again, I want to keep throwing you bones because which you you should you already clearly should know and you do know. But the fact it goes back to that adding the why to that checklist and you you offer when I went to your website you offer it's a the grief the grief resources and it's not just plugging in your business per se. It's not so much like come to us for X Y and Z, but it, you're truly offering help for people. And I think that is the most powerful aspect. And that's why. You know, I reached out to you guys because you're promoting other grief podcasts, for instance. It's, it just seems so unconditional and it comes from a place of experience and love. So I think what you're doing is is so innovative and disruptive, as you said, in such a brilliant way. And it's such a breath of fresh air in such a, uh, a lack of oxygen type topic. <laughs> so it's tough, right? This is a tough field. And 
I think I've, you know, I was advising a bunch of companies that were trying to take the business from the funeral homes and whatnot. Like, no, this isn't about that. This is about organizing everyone and giving people who are going through the process every resource to help them and to show them what's available and to be a guide. In no way are we trying to take business from anyone. Um, And I think that's something that was really important to us is to make sure that we're helping. We are truly helping. Yeah, and you mentioned on the phone uh, when when we first spoke about how you were even, you know, mentioning other local funeral homes and whatnot. So it kind of speaks to what you're saying now. How, how exactly have you kind of mentioned? And- right. So we we noticed that people that would call in would or write in to us, reach out to us for help would say, I don't even know where to start. I'm in so-and-so location and I don't even know how to find a funeral home. And I think, again, back to our nomadic society is we tend not to live where our parents did or where we grew up. Maybe our parents have moved to a different home, whatever it is. And many people find themselves literally searching for a funeral home at the time that they need one and taking out their phones and doing what you do is Google funeral home by location. And unfortunately, it's quite hard to judge a place that's going to be so significant by simply a website or a name. There's more that goes into it. And so one of the things we've done is take, I think at this point we have maybe almost 100, but in 75 or so locations. And we've written up guides to funeral homes in those spaces. And we found funeral homes that we feel very comfortable suggesting to people. And they run the gamut of fancy, corporate-owned, or something much more uh, you know, independently owned, family-owned and operated. Um, we love those. And the family, one of the reasons we did this was that you know, some family-owned and operated locations may not have the money to be at the top of that SEO. And maybe they're not the ones that you see first on Google, but maybe that is the right place for you. And so in an attempt to kind of level the playing field a little bit and give people a guide, and they're not, they're not ranked, they're not, you know, we don't say go here in any way. It's just, here's a kind of personalized list of places that we feel comfortable that you should look into these. Yeah. I mean, you operate in a, it seems like your theme is just bespoke and I kind of, what you're saying is with the other funeral locations is you're not ranking them. It's bespoke in its own way too. Maybe one's right for you and one's right for the other. Jesus, I want to like virtually hug you. You're so like, <laughs> everything you're doing is just so, it just seems so genuine. And, um, you know, it's really coming from a place of truly wanting to help people. So I think that's amazing. And I want to, before we kind of wrap it up, I think what what's next for farewell? What's uh, and, and maybe also blend in. Maybe if you have anything else to announce or mention, you want to uh, plug in your your business. But uh, what is what, geographically like? Are you? I remember we discussed this, but where are you exactly? I know you're in the East Coast now. We're in New York. However, we've worked with funeral homes all around the country. We've done funerals because of virtual. I mean, we're working on. I don't think any right now are in New York. So we've done West Coast, we've, we have done East Coast, we've done New York, we're in the South right now. And by the way, one of the funerals is one family member's on the West Coast, one's in Florida. I mean, it's, <laughs> there you go. Um, and that's, that's our world now. So we're based in New York, but we are all over. I lived in LA for a long time, so we, we do a lot in LA. 
plug in your the websites and any uh, so it's myfarewelling.com um we're also on social media you can find us on instagram at myfarewelling also yeah, facebook etc cetera, etc cetera. um we have podcasts and it's everything you need to find is at myfarewelling.com and I, there are very exciting things to come. I'm not sure I'm allowed to speak of them yet, so I'm going to keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Elizabeth, you are a true gem. I really am grateful that we've connected and you guys responded to me when I reached out. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what you guys have up next and if there's any opportunity for me to continually try to help you guys or support you guys anyway, I think you'll be fine just without me. But if I can do anything at all, I'd be happy to. And um, I'm really supportive of what you're doing and I love it. Thank you. Well, thank you for having us. We will create a memorial site for your dad. I'd be honored to do that with you. Like you have no, I, I would my my family, my circle would would absolutely love that. And um, oh, that's come on, that's exciting. <laughs> I want to apologize in advance for some of the stories you might read. So, uh, but it, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm just I'm I'm so interested. That is a great way for me to because honestly, after I got off the phone with you, I texted my uncle. I was like, we, we got to go get a beer because I, I need to hear some stories. I, I want to hear that those different sides of my dad that I don't know, even the good, the bad, and the ugly. You know what I mean? We all have our, our angle. So I want to, I want to know how similar we are. I want to know, I want to know so many things that I, I would have not been exposed to unless my dad told me personally as a grown man. So I think it's a tremendous opportunity. I'm definitely going to take advantage of that. I would love to chat more with you about, um, or just go on your website. You know where to find me, and I'm always happy to chat. And I think that you and I are on the same quest. You know, you're you, you can't pick up the phone and call the person you want to call. So you try to get information in any other way. And I think of memorial sites and just opening the conversation and asking is very it's a big step. Yeah, and I, I know we were supposed to end this, but the. Uh... I saw this one photo of my dad. I may have mentioned in a prior episode, a photo I never saw. And I thought that I've seen everything. I thought I saw all the photos, saw all the videos. And I'm seeing this memorial website and just, you know, hearing stories from other people as an opportunity to create new memories in a way. It's weird because when I saw that photo, even though I was in it with him, I had that experience, but it was so new. I don't remember seeing that, that I was like, it felt like a new memory. And I thought the new memories were over. That's amazing. I think hearing those stories and what you're the opportunity you're giving people on these memorial websites are just so, uh, can open a lot of doors. And that's just one door that I saw. So that's amazing. Thank you for saying that. Cause I, it's, it's so important. And I, I hadn't thought about that new, that way of new memories. Yeah. You know, it's not obviously it just, it feels like a new memory and especially, you know, I'm you're what, 15 years since you, you lost your yeah, father. And so it's 20 years for me. So we're kind of in the same boat there that, uh, you know, it feels like oh, we've had everything we can. So it, it's it's refreshing when you hear new stories. And I think that's truly important as to what you're doing with the memorial websites. Thank you. But Elizabeth, you're a busy woman. Thank you so much for being on here again. And I'll be happy to, uh, I would love to stay in touch. And like I said, if there's anything I can do for you. I would love to stay in touch. And thank you again for your time. This was great. Thank you for having me.